Okay, let's get into it. Today I want to look at, by this leading of the Spirit of God, uh, how we are reformed through... You know, when I think of Jesus, it's not going to be painful. Uh, it's, it should be good. How we are reformed through revival. How we are reformed through revival. If you weren't here last Sunday, you missed a miracle. Sir. We ain't seen miracles like that since the first two years we started this church. I mean, words of deliverance, words of prophecy, uh, knowledge, things that I don't even know from visitors. And, I'm, you know, the Lord tells you what it is. Everybody's like, oh, my God, it's the power of the Lord. Um, this, is a, this is unique because in my travels, I've come to recognize that certain churches and those that are operate within the spirit of God are not accurate. Just, they just be making up a bunch of stuff. You know, like, I'm going to go so far into the future. It's going to be your children's 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 children. How could anybody prove that? And so I recognize in cases like this, and sometimes, you know, they're just outright wrong. A woman was prophesying to another young lady for about three or four minutes talking about her children. And said, well, I don't know if you've got a daughter or a son. She, she said, which one? Is it a daughter? Because I can see. She said, I don't have any kids. Now, I'm at the same conference as this woman, and I'm preaching, you know, doing my part, and she's doing her part. And she said, I don't, the woman said, I don't have no kids. And I looked down at the ground. I was like, oh, my. Mm -mm. It wasn't like she just mentioned it. She really prophesied to this woman. And I just looked down. And I was real quiet. And she said something about going ahead, and maybe it's because you want kids. And I, I was like, nah. That. And the, 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 the young woman was just standing up at the altar praying. She was like, yes, Lord. Yes. Just, I don't know what you're saying and why you're saying it. But something about this don't seem right, but I don't know what to do. And so inadvertently, people start receiving things because we expect to think that you are the authority in this and that it's something wrong with, with us. But gifts are given not for the believers, but for the unbelievers. So when an anointing hits that's supposed to be with miracle signs and wonders, it's for someone that has a hard time believing in the power of God. So now we got this conference with these ladies in here. It was a women's conference, and everybody's prophesying, and I do not want to get involved. As soon as your prophecy wrong, I'm off in the cut like, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yes, Jesus. Yes. How many squares is on the carpet? Yep. Mm-hmm. Shundo. The conference host says, uh, Pastor Jerome, would you just come on and help us with the prayer? Mm. So now we have the auspicious task, Danny, of making sure that every word of prophecy goes out that people know that it's true. So after everything I say, um, I have to say, do I know you? No, you do not. Have we met before? No, we have not. How would I know this? I don't know how you know this. It must be the power of the Lord. And after every single one, 100% accurate. It got so bad that the woman that was prophesied incorrectly, she came to me and said, can you pray for me? I was like, oh, this is out of order. We come to serve, not be served. So we're running into problems because now the anointing and the miracles of God are so counterfeit, right? 
And Janai had said, well, Pastor, now it's all jumbled up. They putting a bad rep on church. People going to have a hard time believing in church. I said, no, they won't. I said, because every person knows truth. And if they want the truth, they'll see the truth. And if they don't want the truth, then they just not going to see it. But it's not because they can't. Because you cannot hide light. Can't hide light with darkness. It does not work. So the true believers are going to uh, surface. Now, today I wanted us to look at something I did not know until yesterday. The, the strong allegations and video recordings of Bishop T.D. Jakes. And it's, I didn't know this till yesterday. I've been so in Israel and cooking, I didn't even know. My heart broke. That's like a loss to the black. Don't try to look it up now. Put your phones down. Y'all so rude. Like, what, what happened? You have to do it after church. All right. But it's a whole scandal with homosexuality. And um, yeah, I just, I was devastated. I love T.D. Jakes. He's the best of preachers, in my opinion, a wonderful encourager. Theology a little shaky, okay, but wonderful in terms of encouragement. If I'm feeling down, T.D. Jakes will give me a scripture and I will be up. You understand? Love the man of God. And Joe Osteen, quiet as kept. He's pretty good with encouraging you too, okay? Don't really say much, but when he does say something, you'd be like, you know what? Everything going to be all right. So the Lord will still find a way to bless you when you need a blessing. But the problem isn't, it isn't the lack of our ability to hear God. The problem is that we have this huge leader that has apparently fallen. This is not the first time this has happened to the black church, right? And it's two things going against us. Okay, the, the white evangelical church, they got the same scandal. Please don't believe. All right, the presidents of Liberty University, the whole family. My heart was devastated. I was in shock and utter belief, utter disbelief. Um, and then it came to my attention that two, three weeks ago, in the message on Sunday, I said specifically that the harvest for this revival in the church is going to come from the gay and lesbian community. And that was before a great giant fell into the same thing. The idea of homosexuality, which is not necessarily my topic, but it's leading into the next year, you just have to listen, okay, um, is it, it pulls on identity. And a person's identity is paramount for God's purpose within their lives. So if your sense of identity is wrong, then how you live purposely with God is going to be off no matter what you do. It's a lot of things that do that, but that in spe specifically is where the Christians are falling victim to. Kids being raised in the church, now it's popular to be bi. Everybody got to try something new, try something different. I mean, don't look confused. My office is inundated both here and online with counseling sessions regarding that. Yeah. Now churches are, are trying to figure out a way to change theology to make it so that it's acceptable. Please know it's not all the churches. It's only the ones you hear about because those are the ones that get the most likes yeah. and views. Yeah. But there are plenty of churches of God that are saying, no, 
Homosexuality is not correct. It's not right in the eyes of God. It is a sin, but you can be delivered from that sin. Like we had to get delivered from every other sin, right? It's it's just a spirit of lust and lust doesn't care how it gets what it gets. So the idea more so is the identity problem and not necessarily the attraction. Uh, But nevertheless, we said that three weeks ago before this. And now we recognize that there's a huge uh, change that is it's crumbling. The, the, the trust in leaders in the body of Christ has been eroding so much. You know, huge holes just blown into the church, you know? And now this is like, for the black church, the top that head done came tumbling down. And I don't mean in the spirit, I mean in the natural. Just came tumbling down. It's not just the black church, but how the black church is inundated with the music industry and all the sexual perversion within that. Hello, somebody, right? And how those are all intertwined. In essence, we got got on the idea that in order to be a successful Christian, you've got to be wealthy. And that wealth and success is an earmark, right, of good, solid Christianity. Like in, in American culture, we believe that the person that's the underdog that rises to the top is the best story ever. The best story ever would be if the person at the top left all to serve the people at the bottom. That's how twisted our understanding is, culturally. And so with these things running within us, it it shows up now in the body of Christ, in churches. And so we've got this huge gaping hole where Satan is just punching bricks right out of our walls. I mean, he's not going to win because the gates of hell shall not prevail, but it's just the idea. So now there has to be healing, and in our workshop, on uh, healing from the lifestyle. We discussed that when it comes to homosexuality um, and to live free in that, okay? I don't mean just struggle, I mean live free. It's every person that deals with homosexuality deals with it at different levels. Some people get surgery, some people take hormones, some people just dress different, some people, everybody has different levels within their acceptance of the lifestyle. That's number one. Number two, why every person is in it is also different for each person, right? So now one message from the pulpit is never going to be sufficient to deliver all. That's why they call it a lifestyle because now their friends, their family, their support system is all wrapped in that. And then you tell them, come to Christ. Leave all of that, and you don't know how to be a family. You tell them to come to church, but the church doesn't know how to be a family. So you want me to leave the people that do support me and come over here and be by myself and looked at funny and shamed, judged. That's that's a tall order for anybody to do. So the funny thing is that the Lord has been helping us to prepare our hearts, number one, as a family. And number two, with wisdom, power, and deliverance on how to walk that out. Because now every person that wants to be free is going to have to have, be a disciple of somebody else. Because it's individual based. The word of truth comes by, and then people have to minister. That means you all 
will have to be soldiers in the army of God, not just preachers up here, but preachers right there. With a disciple under your arm. Man, I'm struggling, man. I know I wasn't supposed to go out, but I, I met up with this dude and now I'm struggling. I slipped up and you on the phone talking and you on the phone praying because you have to disciple every step of this deliverance because it was a way of life. Amen. And if you remove a way of life from one category and you give them nothing else in replace, you're just telling them to go to prison. And nobody wants, that doesn't feel like freedom. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and, and now you're discipled by someone else that just becomes your, your friend, your prayer warrior, your family, your support. And I don't mean just anybody, somebody that's been in the lifestyle. Somebody can tell you, I know how you feel. That person ain't the devil, right? You ain't the devil. I've been there, you know, and can see spiritually where the devil really is. Like these things are important. And so now I was trying to tell my church, those in the workshop, that you are the ones called to be the ministers in the pews. As the preached word is going forth, you're the ones that's going to be working that word into their hearts and minds. Throughout. You're called to be a disciple. The Bible says go and make disciples. And if the harvest is going to be coming from that generation, then it's no wonder why so many of you have experienced same-sex attraction and then been delivered from it. Now you have to learn the spiritual connotations. You have to have the wisdom and the heart to be able to snatch somebody else from the grips of death. I said this three weeks ago before one of the greatest in the African-American church community fell into homosexuality. Well, he was already in it, but became exposed before. Why is this important? Because this is reformation through revival. I got this on Thursday before I found out about the scandal. There has to be a revival. If you look at our services, the last three at the end of the year, the first one was reformation through worship, how your bodies is a living sacrifice. The next one was reformation through, anybody remember? Anointing. The reformation through worship, people was, was coming back to Christ for real. Like I'm living for him, hands down, that's it, that's all. And then the next week, those same people were coming asking God to anoint them. What is the anointing? It's the power of God for other people. As we discussed on last week, the anointing is a bridge between heaven and earth. So God will use an anointing oil, which is why you can hear miracles. If I pray for someone and I know what God is saying, some things that I, I wouldn't know, or if I, I pray and, and your rheumatoid arthritis is healed or you're healed from cancer or whatever the situation is, um, addictions, whatever, that what's really happening is God has anointed the individual or anointed the thing to be a bridge between heaven and earth. So all you're really doing is taking what God is doing and just bridging the two and passing it right through. It's paramount that Christians are anointed. Yes? Because if you really want to help people, you've got to be anointed. Amen. Last week, my neighbor sent me a, a huge text message. Jim? No, Jim and Diane, right? Uh, he sent me this long, 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 long text message, right? And the nuts and bolts of it was he had been addicted to painkillers for years after a back pain and surgeries and knee pain and surgeries. He just had knee surgery. Um, he had been addicted to 
sleep meds. He hadn't been able to sleep since uh, a family member passed for years. And it's a specific medicine that only works. To, that's the only one that works to help him sleep. And it's very hard to get. And he was just giving me the whole story. And I was like, he's like, don't, don't worry. I'm getting to the good part. And I'm like, okay, where's the good part? Yeah. You know, and he's telling me how much it costs and how hard it is to get. And he said, but since I've been here, after meeting you, I have not needed my pain medicine. I have not needed my sleep medication. After my surgery, I've been sleeping. I've been using very minimum pain. Hallelujah. I never once laid hands on this man. My neighbors are white. I say I wouldn't lay hands on them, but they're Catholic. So we don't even talk about religion like that. We sneak in some stuff, find out he was listening to my podcast before we even met, right? So he's, he's been, him and his wife been listening to the podcast. So every time, this is how nice they are. They buy plants, put them in my front pots, plant them for me, and put them on their watering cycle and make sure they get water so they won't die. I didn't ask for that. They're that nice. Come and help me dig a whole fence in my backyard. Super nice. If my other neighbor wasn't doggone from Hades, I wouldn't believe that these people could be this nice. Yeah. And they're saying, but you don't know how much you bless us. And I, for the life of me, I could never forget. Remember, what am I doing for you? It seemed like you're doing all the stuff for me. I don't do anything. I never lay hands. I'm like, shut up. Nope. No, nothing. But the anointing will serve as a bridge. Yes. So even a simple prayer, God, please bless Jim. He, he don't, I say, what do you need? He said, I don't need nothing. I don't need nothing. But God knows what he needed. Yes. And God made sure a bridge was present to give him what he needed. Most of you are in church because you have an extremely compassionate heart. You get in trouble most times because you try to do too much to help too many people the wrong way. The anointing can assist in that. And you need that because that's the one that does all the work. He, he does it. You just be like, mm, pouring it out, pouring it out. And sometimes it's being poured from you and you don't even know. I don't know why this man thought it came from me. I don't know why. But he said, the Lord used you. If you want to help people in your family, if you want to help people in, in your work and friends, you need an anointing by God because it does what you can't do. And it stops you from overdoing stuff that you don't really have the strength to do. And now you're not even fruitful in it. Look at all the stuff you've been doing in your own strength that has yielded so little. And you could be like me, doing nothing, and yield so much. <laughs> so after we prayed for the anointing, and then apparently more deliverance on that Sunday too. We had two lines for an anointing and one for deliverance. Some people in the anointing line need to be in the deliverance line. I don't even know why they was trying to play with the Holy Spirit like that. They better be glad he didn't drop them dead right then and there. But nevertheless, nevertheless, he's compassionate and merciful. I, I have no way of, I'm trying to convey to, to our guests specifically how the anointing of God works within this house and the power of God, and that is not a sham when everybody else is really kind of, in most cases, a little shammy, shammy, shammy. But there's a reason for it. This year I've been telling the church that you are the last generation 
that will assist the generation of anybody that's left after the rapture. In my opinion, your children's children, they will be present to teach anybody that doesn't make the rapture. We're, we're the beginning of the end, like the very, because he said it's going to happen. When it happens, it's going to happen speedily. And it is. And so my church is trying to get ready to make sure that we can help snatch out as many souls as possible. Right? But in order to do that, you mean, you got to worship the Father with your whole life. It's not just resisting sin. It's my whole life is over here with him. I'm a living sacrifice means my whole entire life is a living sacrifice. Not just I sacrifice not smoking today. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying everything about how I live is over here. And then he anoints that. So now you could be trusted that he's going to give you power, not for yourself. An anointing so you can stop smoking? No. An anointing so you can get your bills paid? No. You're getting anointings so that you could help somebody else with something that is hard to live, some mountain that's in their life, some, some valley that they have to cross, which in essence is all you ever really wanted to do in the first place. So naturally, the Holy Spirit will give us a revival. When I look at next year, for my house, I'm not big enough to speak for everybody in the body of Christ. For this house, oh, it's going to be a revival. Oh, I hope you're ready. I hope everything you did at these altars was true. Because it's about to be put to the test. I hope all the snotting and crying was sincere. Because it's getting ready to be put to the test. And only those that endure will be saved. Because it's going to take endurance. We're going to put the idea that you live for Christ to the test. Slap, slap to the test. Aren't you tired of living for other folk? Pouring all your passion into people that they can't even love you right. That passion was done for God, not him or her. Okay. Reformation through revival. I want us to look at um, 2 Kings. No, Second Chronicles. Same story. Second Chronicles, somewhere around chapter 21, I think. There was a king named King Ahaz. King Ahaz was a king of Judah, and they're in Jerusalem, where the kingdom of Israel split into two kingdoms. You had Judah in the north and Israel in the bottom. No, Israel in the north, Judah in the bottom. Right. Okay, so their kingdom split. Now, why did the kingdom of Israel split? It split because the people in the north and the king there, they had an uh, uh, uprising. All right. You're not in the lineage of the king. We want this to him to be king. And not only that, he says, if you make me king, I'll build us a temple up here so we don't have to travel all the way down there to go worship where the true temple was. So now they split because of comfort. There was a disagreement because somebody wanted something to be acceptable. And another king said, I can make that happen for you. Within the local body, within the body of Christ, there's a whole bunch of churches saying, what you want? 
I can make that happen for you. What you want a lover? Let me show you how you can look at this scripture differently. And now you can have a lover. What do you want? You want to be wealthy? Let me show you how you can look at this scripture. And now it is God's will that you're wealthy. And so this constant split within the body of Christ of people that think the main job is to make sure that these sheep, my members, their members, have everything they need and want. And now the pulpit is just a place where you come like a rabbit's foot and rub on it to make sure you get everything your heart desires, every dream you ever had. And some of y'all don't even love Jesus. You just in here because you're afraid if you act like you don't, that he won't give you what you want. He know it and I know it. You always been a user. There's deliverance for you. But we ain't going to make it not true. As long as you can see some, some profit in it, something that helps you, you're for it. But in this house, we teach that salvation is sacrifice. That he already died for us. Now we live for him. And we live for him in such a way that he can have whatever you like. Because there comes a point in maturity where it's not always about you. It comes a point in love where now your heart is so overwhelmed, you want to serve that person even though you're tired. Serve that person even though you're frustrated. Serve that person. It should be the same with God. There has to be a point in your love relationship with, relationship with God where you want to serve him no matter the cost because he served you no matter the cost. But now our churches are being split because now people are saying, no, Jesus is just here to help you have a good life here. Like the worst thing that can ever happen to you is to die here. How is that the worst thing that can happen to a believer? Your life here ends. No, the worst thing that's going to happen is your eternal life is terrible. But they try to get you with Satan to, to hold on to every, uh, what's that, uh, 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 the fear of, of, of Luke missing out? What's that, FOMO? They try to get you so afraid of missing out on something, missing out on, on the opportunity to be wealthy, missing out on this spouse, missing out on not having kids, missing out, and I just got to get I got to live my best life. No, you don't. You need to live your Jesus life, and the best life going to happen later because you ain't going to find it here. And Satan keeps tempting you to think that you can make your best life here. You can't. It's a dying world. It's full of sin and corruption that we perpetuate. You're not going to be able to live your best life. Yeah. That's like trying to live next to your neighbor with a big mansion while your neighbor living in poverty. You're not going to have peace. That's Hamas in Israel. You're not going to have peace. It's always going to be a war. Because this is not designed for Christians to enjoy, although there are blessings. This is not a playground. This is a what? A war zone. A war zone, a battlefield. You are, how many scriptures does Jesus talk about? An arm, a shield, and to go out in the fight and be an arm, a competition, a race, and endure. It's not a playground. And TikTok and Instagram make you feel like this is a place for you to have your desires met. But your lifespan is so short. Take that whole life and live it truly for God. Before you get got in this place, he is, he is messing with y'all heads. There's tons of things I forego, but somehow I keep getting blessed. I don't even be understanding it. 
I do not seek these blessings. I, I don't seek nice pocketbooks. I don't seek new houses. I don't seek nice cars. Ask my friend. You don't. I don't seek them at all. No. They just show up in my life. But why? Because I am focused on serving God and serving his people with everything within me. With everything within me. Right? That's what it's supposed to be. So revival in the church has to happen. King Ahaz, his father was a good king. King Ahaz was not. His father was good, did good. King Ahaz did the complete opposite. King Ahaz lost the battle to Assyria because he decided to uh, not serve the Lord, okay? And so he lost the battle. Um, Judah um, was taken over by the Assyrians and then also um, a, bit of, a bit of their brothers, Israel. So they were attacked by their enemy and they were attacked from within. This is under King Ahaz, Judah's rule, okay? Remember, Israel split into two kingdoms, north and south, right? The south kingdom, Judah, right? The south kingdom, Judah, was disobedient to the father for, for generations, and the, God said, okay, now Assyria is going to win a battle and take 120,000, and then Israel, your brothers to the north, are also going to say, now these people is fighting enemies from outside, and then when they come inside at home, it's still a fight. Y'all don't want to help me yeah. preach today. Y'all act like it ain't devils out there and devils in here. You act like it ain't mess out there and mess in here. The more I pull people out of the world, it's world in my house. I say quit sleeping around with members in the house. Stop doing that. You're messing up a safe place. This is your safe place and you're going to mess it up. Who be doing this? I don't know. Everybody just look at the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And it ruins a safe place that you and I spent years to make sure you felt. Like years. And then over some Cake, babies in the room, over some cake, you decide that you got to get that. And just wreck every ounce of safety you felt. Now you always looking over your shoulder, what he thinking, what she thinking, did she say that because of me to get, oh my God. So the Lord snatches from out the world and then you bring the world in here. Now we only got one or two options. Either you were sent by the devil and belong to him or you were a Christian that needs to be delivered. It's only one of the two. And I just be waiting trying to figure out how it's going to end. Is you the Satan? Is you the one sent by Satan to destroy my church? Look how many people you're sleeping around with. Look how much mess follows you. Or are you just a troubled sheep? That just needs to be delivered from trauma and hurt and pain, which I spend hours upon hours with the spirit of the Lord to assist it. We don't know which one. We're going to love everybody the same until the day of the harvest. The wheat and the tear grow up together. So Ahaz and Judah, they had this rough fight, right? Terrible fight. Didn't go well. Ahaz decides to go to um, Assyria, Tiglath-Pileth or whatever. 
the third, the ones that beat him, that won the war, King Ahaz said, you know what? Apparently your God is better than our God. Uh-huh. King Ahaz said, since y'all won this war, then your God is better. So let's serve your God. And he goes and finds out how their temple is made, meets, you know, does their worship services, sends the sketches of their temple back to Judah and tells the priest in Judah, build the temple like this. Did y'all know this story existed? Now, what does that mean for us? Because this is a prophetic message. And I, I was not expecting it. What does it mean for the church now? is that we have seen that something is working for the same enemy that's taking us down. Okay. You said, I'm not going to fornicate. But clearly you can see that the girl that fornicated and the man that fornicated, they got the husband, they got the wife, they got the kids, they got the house. Hello, somebody. And so even though you say, I'm not, you're going to study how that's done and then bring that back. And now you lay down and you worship to get the same thing in the same form of worship. You say, I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. But you notice that somebody else lied on their taxes. And now they got a huge refund check. And you over here just niggling and diming it. Oh, oh. So now you say you're not. But because what they did is successful, now you decide to worship at their altar. It ain't even got to be a sin. You see somebody so dedicated to the hustle that you decide as a believer, you will spend your life hustling for money rather than spend your life hustling for the kingdom of God. Because you feel success is there. Why? Because the enemy of poverty defeated you and your family. And everybody in your family was broke. And I'm going to make sure that don't happen to me. You are stupid because some families was broke but had a ton of God. They never missed a meal. Children grew up blessed. Not spoiled. Which is what's going to happen when you get all this money so your kids don't want for nothing. Kids need to want for stuff. They do. They need to. So that's the problem. You're seeing somebody else's, the way they live their life unto their God. And it's working. Because they're getting what you want. You know how I know you follow them? Because you're called a follower on Instagram. Y'all follow them all the time. Ooh, uh, black women make money. Follow. Ooh, black men become millionaires. Follow. Ooh, how to be a great wife. Follow. Ooh, how to be a, a, a prophetic husband. Follow. Ooh, what men don't know that you need to know. Follow. You follow a ton of that to get your desires met. But I try to get you to share the podcast. Oh, you, I ain't really on social media that much. You a social media lie. You picked who you would follow. And the truth about power and authority is the bigger somebody gets, the more likely they are to slide into into degradation. And then they can't get out because you still pick them. When you preach a message that they don't like, you can't do that no more. 
because they picked you. I preached one message. I don't even remember what it was. But I had a, a husband come to me with his family. He said, Pastor, was something wrong with you that day? No. He said, I just felt, you know, maybe you was going through. I said, why do you think that? He said, because when you got done preaching, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel uplifted. I felt saddened. And I thought that maybe spiritually you was going through something. <laughs> Baby, this ain't got nothing to do with me in that regard. I ate my word first. Then I fed it to you. Sometimes you leave this house and you don't feel better. You leave it looking at your life going, am I even doing this right? And how do I fix it? You leave challenged. You leave looking at every doggone sin. I need to stop cussing these people out. I need to stop cussing these people. I need to stop flipping these people off. I need to stop flipping these people off. I need to have more patience with the kids. The kids be getting on my nerves. I mean, you, you come in and you look at everything that you need to improve upon to be a solid saint, and that's good, and sometimes you don't leave happy. You leave convicted. I am not a motivational speaker. I am not a motivational speaker. I am not here to motivate you. I am here with the spirit of the Lord to inspire you. Inspiration comes from within. Motivation comes from without. I am here to give you the spirit of the Lord that what you need to keep moving in the right direction is coming like living water from inside of you. And pretty much I'm just making you who God wants you to be. Someone that's inspired to live for God. Inspired to do right. You got no more excuses now. If you go to the church, you ain't got no excuses. You can serve God broke. Mm -hmm. You can serve God without a job. Mm -hmm. You can serve God without a car. Mm -hmm. You can serve God living two hours and a half away. You can, you can serve God unmarried. You can serve God without kids. You can serve God without sex. You can serve God without a husband or a wife. You can serve God without boyfriends. You can serve God without poor cake baking shows you can serve God without any of these things and you have an example by the spirit of the Lord that is called to show it to you so you could do it now you got no excuse and eventually what's happening in this scripture is what I was trying to say is King Ahaz when he got the blueprints for how their temple was made and he sent him to the priests in Judah they broke apart pieces of God's temple and rebuilt it to be like their temple. You know why I wear these frilly dresses? Because first, first it wasn't frilly, it was just a long schmop looking thing. At first I really did suits. I preached in suits because that's what modern preachers did. We wore suits. And then I start going to missionary fields. I can't take 15 suits to doggone uh, Pandy Town, Honduras, hot as a mug. I'm, I'll just give me something light and cotton and just yeah. covered. So I said, you know what? I like this, but I'm only doing it on the mission field. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day. He said, they wear, they wear business suits because they're making it a business. And that was the first change that allowed the houses of God to become nonprofit organizations rather than houses of prayer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when I started church, I said, I'm not wearing a suit. Yeah. 
because this is not a business, and I don't want you to get it twisted. Number one, y'all don't pay me. Not yet, but this is year number 10, and I ain't got a paycheck. We paid the musicians when I wasn't getting paid. More of my money investments go back into this church than what the church gives me in a lot of times. You can ask the finance department. The Lord blesses me. I'm like, well, the church needs to bless the church. Oh, my mortgage. Oh, oh, I'm praying. It always shows up. Not a problem. It's not excess. It's what I need, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful. But now churches are being reconstructed and have been reconfigured to be mass businesses. Where pastors that are in need of deliverance can't sit down because then other people that work for them won't get paid. So preacher, you got to preach that good message and don't you dare come down from there because then we don't get paid and my kids can't go to college because you decided to fool up. And the pressure of making church a business when it's supposed to be a sacred position to worship God is lost. They take the churches now and they make, and you've seen this, they're making a business. Now you've seen it happen with T.D. Jakes. The idea now for even black Christians mega church was shook. It already happened for the white, white, the white, the, our white brothers and sisters that are really sold out. They got all these small little coffee churches everywhere, right? But now the black churches have to deal with our identity of you're only successful in God if, you're, if you got money. And struggling financially means you're not blessed by God. I struggle financially, but I always win in Jesus' name. The only reason you don't like fighting is because you're losing. But everybody likes to fight when you're winning. <laughs> so they break apart pieces. Now, one of the things I thought was so unique about something he did is King Ahaz told them to take the laver, the brazen laver, among other things. They chopped down the pillars, rearranged them, I mean, made steps to the altar, but they weren't supposed to ever have steps, not any cut huge stone. I mean, just, he just messed up a lot of stuff to get it like this other thing, all right? And nobody would really know because they were still bringing the sacrifices the way they always have. still singing songs the way they always have they still got prayer the way they always have but ever so slightly some of the stuff that we used to have has been chopped down to false prophecy in a hundred dollar line and a two thousand dollar prayer line and it's just been torn apart in order to worship another god in the house of god because you're afraid that you look like you lost you're afraid that your family would think you were, you, you were never going to be, not that your whole plan is just to make sure I prove to them. They're going to die. And they're not going to care nothing about what you was proving. And meanwhile, you done lived your whole life for them. What you know what God to say? I, I was trying to prove something to people that said I wasn't going to be nothing. The offense does not justify the actual sin. You're touting the offense. I only did this because, you know, everybody was thinking what said I wasn't going to be nothing. That's the only reason I didn't live full out. You can't use the sin to justify the sin. You can't use the offense to justify why you do the offense. I hope that's hidden somewhere. 
Because it's not a good excuse at the altar. When you go to the judgment throne of God, you can't use that. Well, I only was doing that because of my situation. I was only doing that because you can't use why you was doing it as the reason as to why you kept doing it. And when you come to this house, one thing you're going to leave with is the truth. You're going to leave with the truth. That's not going to make it in the throne. Why would I do it if I was married? Nope, not going to work. Well, well, he said he was going to marry me. Nope, not going to work. Well, I'm tired of being lonely. Nope, not going to work. The fact that you are lonely and not alone is already an indictment against your relationship with Christ. Yeah. You're using the sin to, de to, to defend more sin. The fact that you're mad because you're broke is already a sin because now you have a love for money. Jesus. If you didn't, then when money breaks your heart, you, you won't be so sad all the time and depressed. I don't have to preach a, pray a prayer of depression lifting off of you because your finances is down bad. Take it as a sign that something is wrong. I'm not living for God and you are supposed to. God called you. How do I know? Because you're sitting right here. And some of y'all been sitting here for a while. You're like, yeah, I, I know he called me. Because mm -hmm. who else comes here for this abuse? I'm beating the snot out of y'all. And another thing. No. So King Ahaz, so he changed the whole tabernacle. One of the things I thought was weird is, he took the brazen laver, which is supposed to be where the priests would wash their hands, and it was in the holy place. So you had the outer courts, then you had the holy place, and then you had the most holy place. So people could be in the outer courts where the altar of sacrifice is. We sacrifice the lambs and the goats. But the holy place, only the priests could go in, right? And then the most holy place, only the, the chief priest could go in. That's it, right? So he took the brazen laver from the doorway of the holy place and took it outside to the, to the outside part where everybody is. And then he tells them, now this, this is the catcher. He changes. He said, everybody can do their sacrifices and offerings the way they've always done them. But now this, this brazen la uh, laver where I wash my hands for, that's only for me. He said, that's only for me so I could hear what the gods want to tell me. So you're going to remove the, the way that God is showing how to cleanse and deliver. Yeah. You're going to take away how God wants to clean us up from everybody else that needs it, every other priest that needs it. And then you're going to say, it's only for you so that you can see and hear how the gods want to instruct you for your kingdom. Do you know what the brazen laver was made of? Brass. And they got that brass from the mirrors of the women of Israel. That means when you put a mirror with water in it and you look down to wash your hands and face, what are you going to see? You. So really what you're telling me, King Ahaz, is that you decided that what you're going to do in terms of hearing God's is to know your own self. Oh, this is the year of introspection. This is the year of I, I, you know, I, I self, self love. And I got to come. Y'all go inside yourself so much and come out with more of yourself. All you see in there is more of you. Just trust your heart. The same heart the Bible says is deceptive in all of its ways. There you go, at that laver. 
getting counsel so whatever you see in you is the right answer. That must be what God wants. Why? Because I see it right here. No, what you see is you. You see you. And that's the entire culture right now in terms of religion is how you feel. You know, I looked inside of myself and, you know, self told me, you know, I really had to come real with myself. It's more I had to in me than anything else right now. Yeah. That's the doggone brazen laver. You just, you just going into you. For what? Do you know you ain't got no answers? But I just feel, I just feel. But for me, you know, for me, your feelings lie to you. So now you're going to make them the sign that you need to do something? That's going to be your sign. Because I wanted to think of like that, and then he called me. That is not a sign from God. That's a sign that y'all had a soul tie. And so when you felt hungry, he decided to call. He tore down the temple, rearranged it, and changed everything so that he could, because he lost. And he felt like if he did this because they were winning, then that would help me to win. He was a king, appointed by God, and as a king lost favor with God. For what? For a couple more years of, on this earth? For what? So after King Ahaz, because I had to preface, here comes the revival, okay? <laughs> after King Ahaz was his son, which I think is very unique because it was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was King Ahaz's son. Now, what is funny to me about Hezekiah what is funny to me about Hezekiah is his father did not live the way Hezekiah was getting ready to live. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to help me. Uh, come on. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Hezekiah's dad did not live the life and relationship with God that Hezekiah was about to live. His dad didn't lead that way. His dad didn't serve that way. He didn't even have the same heart, but Hezekiah somehow had a heart for God, somehow lived for God, somehow chose God, even though he had nobody showing him the way. And you think because you didn't have a dad, you didn't have this, you didn't have that, that now you can't live for God. Hezekiah was not brought up that way. And he was one of the best kings ever. He brought both nations that were split back together. He tore down all the idols that his dad built up. Tore them down. Hello? I ain't gonna be no dope dealer. Tear it down. I ain't gonna be no deadbeat dad. Tear it down. I ain't going to be uneducated. 
tear it down. I'm not going to be stealing and lying, tear it down. I'm not going to be addicted to drugs, tear it down. I'm not going to prison, tear it down. I'm tearing down everything you built up. And I'm going to live for my father in heaven. And as you tell your earthly daughter, dad, you don't want to live for me? It's all right. I'm going to live for my father. And I will learn how to be a man of God by living for my father. That's it. That's the whole shebang. Hezekiah tore all that stuff down. After that, he reinstituted sacrifice. Now, this is the thing. He told the priests, let's go. We tore down everything. Let's start worshiping. Told the children of Israel in the north <laughs> that, they, <laughs> that they needed to come down. We're not going up there to worship with y'all. Y'all going to come down here and worship where God told us to worship. We're going to remove your convenience. Now, this is the thing. At this point, if they made the children of Israel come down so they could worship in unity together, like a revival of the church coming back together, that it was going to take too long for them to get from there to here, right? And on the day that they're supposed to celebrate the Passover. So they found in scripture that if the journey is too far, we can move the Passover down two months. There is a right way to adjust your church to get people that's hard to reach. Y'all don't want to help me today. There is a right way to adjust your church and your worship services to get people that are hard to reach, but you cannot tear down the holiness of God. You can't do that in the process. All this easy grace God forgives. Every time somebody is locked in sin, they always got a friend talking about, you know, the Lord know your heart. He do, and it's evil. Lord know my heart. Yeah, it's down bad. Yeah, he do know it. He know it. He know it. But it's always somebody in the background saying, I know you love God. It's going to be all right. Just perpetuating more lasciviousness in your life. The church is supposed to say, you ain't touching the holiness of God. This is right and this is wrong. This is of God. This is not of God. If you don't like it, then you can't worship here. You have to go worship that God out there because we are not worshiping like that in here. Now, we will do everything we can to get you in here. I'll have workshops, seminars, discipleship classes outreaches i'm over here doing cartwheels who wanted jesus schedule full of counseling sessions week after week after week whatever you need to become a true disciple of christ but we what we ain't gonna do is remove the holiness of god you come at me talking about some well i mean i don't know i never really felt the goodness of god he ain't never really come through for me you a lie because you're breathing shut up my life has always been hard now you had some blessings somewhere now you're just too selfish to even recognize it you don't leave with the truth. And that altar is going to be sacrificed on the way it's supposed to be worshipped on. We're not adjusting that, but we will wait. We will wait and we will try to reach you and bring you in. You ain't got to be cleaned up. The problem was when the priest did come down, the extra priest, none of them was consecrated. Lord have mercy. They had touched too much dead stuff on the journey. 
got a little messy on their way to the church. You don't want to help me today. Went through some things on their way to find God. Y'all don't want to help me. And they weren't really presentable to serve God. So they delayed the Passover celebration to give them a chance to consecrate themselves for the service of God. Do you see how important unity is for God? Certain things you can't change about church. What I love after this is Hezekiah, they had a party. Oh, it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread after that. I mean, and they sac- when they sacrifice goats and sheep and lamb, they don't just throw them away. They eat them. Yeah. The point of the sacrifice was you offer it to the Father, and then y'all all come together and party. Come on. God loves partying. Come on. Not debauchery. Partying. It's a difference. How do you know? He made wine water into wine. Every time you look up, he's hanging around prostitutes and tax collectors. He's having such a good time, he forget where he is sometimes. People's like, come out from over there with them. You mean to tell me you're hanging around with fun people so much that people think you was one of them? My Savior like to have a good time. Hello? Most of the laws is about partying. Here's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Festival of Booths, the, the, the seven weeks. It's always, let's get together and eat. What we going to do? Get together and eat. What we going to do tomorrow? Get together and eat. So Hezekiah reinstituted the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was supposed to last like 14 or 7 days. They extended it another week. Then they extended it another week. Now listen, this meant that they were bringing in 10,000 sheep and oxen. And they would offer them unto the Lord, but the, what they could eat, was given to everybody. So the entire congregation of Israelites were together eating and fellowshipping. And, and, bring, and it got so good that Hezekiah did not tax the people in order to buy more meat. He gave of his own meat. This revival is going to happen because pastors are going to have to start giving from their own meat. Y'all don't want to help me today. You're going to have to, uh uh-uh, uh, y'all want to be honest, huh? You can't be on no platform no more. Hello, somebody. Y'all bring me your meat. Oh, no, no, no. You're going to have to believe that God's going to give you meat and you take that meat and you feed your people. You got, you got people to feed. So Hezekiah took like 10,000 sheep, an absurd amount of oxen, and they was like, keep the party going. So everybody like, oh, I love me some Hezekiah. King Hezekiah, oh, man, he, he getting it down, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we ain't got that bottle service. We got that barrel service. Mm. <laughs> He's getting it going, right? So he pulls up, gives all he got. They still don't want to stop partying. His sons say, we got you, Dad. Here go 10,000 more, 10,000 more. Keep the party going. Everybody, yeah, yeah, uh, uh. They're having such a good time together that they don't want to stop eating and fellowshipping and everybody that had, had. Hezekiah was a good king. Somehow he knew the heart of God, that as a king to rule the people of God, it ain't about gathering for yourself. Huh? You can't have storehouses of junk for yourself. You got to start pouring that back out. How I look being a billionaire. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to see millions pass through me. 
I mean, I want to see millions pass through me. You understand? I told Taylor, I said, what we're going to do is we're going to build a tiny house land. We're going to put a whole neighborhood of tiny houses for all the homeless people. And we're going to have them out there. It's going to be boop, 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 boop. Tiny houses everywhere. Free. Live there. Let's go. You don't want to own real estate and then buy this? So that, no. I want it to pass through me. If it passes through me and you eat it and you're blessed and you see the power of God because to you that's a miracle because you needed a place, didn't have a place. Now you got a place, that's a miracle. Then you look at God and go, thank you for this miracle. And you tell somebody else, won't he do it? Now from one person giving, look how many lives are changed and affected. From one person saying, this is not for me to save, this is for me to give. I know I have bills next month, but this is for me to give. Somehow the Lord will provide for me, this is for you. I know he's going to provide for me. This is for you. I watch my bank account go below, below. Quite often. Low, 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 low. It's embarrassing sometimes. Swipey, swipey. It's the client. Mm, that's strange. It's all right. I got another card. Which <laughs> Swipe, you got a new card. That's, that's reality. But I'd much rather have things passing through me to make sure all my babies got what they need than have a bank account stuck with stuff. What I look like feeding my face and you ain't got nowhere to eat. That's why after Sunday, where do we go? Brunch? Not this brunch because it's Christmas Eve. But every other Sunday, we go to brunch. If you ain't got no money, you can eat with me. If you ain't got no family, your bill is on me. One day, we're going to have a whole kitchen. Minister Hudson is going to make sure we got a whole church and a whole community can come and eat. I want to barbecue every Sunday. I want to be known as a church that got free barbecue every Sunday. They like, yeah, you go to Renew, you know, they get you that food all day. How much? You want three pieces of chicken? Hmm. Load it up. I ain't looking at you funny. If we see you more than one time, now you family. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. We ain't taking ours and sitting all by ourselves. We sitting at your table. You sitting at my table. Come on, we just need money to pass through. Yeah. And I need hearts that believe the same thing. Yeah. But you gotta, that takes a lot of faith that God going to pay that mortgage yeah. before they do the little foreclosure sign. Yeah. But it can't stop you from giving. Because when Satan sees that, he uses that. And now the, the love that is flowing from one hand to another gets stopped because of your fear and lack of trust with God. Jesus. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. The revivals that's going to have to happen. I wish I could preach this. Preach it. Preach it. <laughs> I ain't. <laughs> it's a revival. Yeah. I, can't, I can't preach it because it's, it's too passionate. It's, what, I, what I mean, it's too prophetic. Yeah. I want it on record this day. Yeah. Like the last one was on record three weeks ago. Like the Israel thing was on record. Like the COVID, we knew about COVID before COVID hit. My whole church had three months to prepare. Right? I want it on record. So I can't be hooping this because I need people to hear me. 
The revival is going to happen because you will be actual ministers. You will go to ministers in training. But some of you are not designed to be ministers that preach up here. Amen. Most of you are not called to be pastors. You see my life. You don't want that? You don't even have the stamina to stay awake in one service, let alone get two hours of sleep baking, cooking, so that your family, your church family, and your real family can fellowship, but your church family and their family has to eat the word of God. You want to pass it off to somebody else? No. The Lord gave me a word. I'm going to preach that. That's it. You don't even want to stay awake. You don't want this job. Right? But you're supposed to be a minister. At some point in your church career, you too will pass through ministers and training class. You will. In this house, you got to. Because when you go to try to minister to people, I need to know that you know what you're talking about. And ministering from there is more important than the 45 minutes up here. I know because most of the work that got y'all to stay, the word was powerful. But the relationship we have is more powerful than that. 100%. Y'all know. Just tell pastor. Tell pastor. She'll, she'll fix it. Relationship. Relationship. I love that about y'all. Talk to pastor. She'll, she'll take care of it. I will. And I will. Who messed with my babies? What you need? What you need? I need some gas money. Fine. What you acting like that for? It's just gas. I got gas money and McDonald's money all day. As long as your car is not too expensive. <laughs> That's what church is going to have to start becoming. And you're going to watch all of this unravel as the revival of people that want the authentic church to resurface again. And it makes sense that these are the last days right before the rapture. People need to know what the real church of God looks like when they go into the times of tribulation. They need to know what that looks like. Oh, you know, be a Christian like like T.D. Jakes? No. Oh, be, be a Christian like this, this mega church? No. Be a Christian like this. Like what? Like my babies right here. That's what you're here for. I told God when he called me to be a pastor, I said, ha, 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 that's a women's ministry. I'm not married and I have no kids. Ain't nobody going to be following me but girls. Surprisingly, that's not the case. And then moreover, I said, God, if you really want me to do this, after we had a lot of scripture searching about women being preachers and pastors before some of the new things we found out today, I mean last couple months ago at our re- retreat, um, <laughs> is that if I do a church, let it be real. I want it real. It ain't got to be big. It ain't got to be flashy. But it needs to be real. I want 80%. This is what I told the Lord. I want 80% of every of my church membership to be actively serving God in their lives. And 20% on the healing roster. Amen. That's what I want. So I try by the spirit of the Lord to live openly, transparently, right? So you can see it. So that you might do it also. How? How am I doing it? By the power of God. And that's the same thing he wants to do with you. So we'll have a real church that's a family of believers building the empire of Christ. Where people that don't have families or have bad families, we now your new family. Hello, somebody. How many people we your new family? Come on. 
Make some noise if Renew has become your new family. Now we'll fight each other all day. But don't you dare put your hand on my sister. They will, they will, they will come for you, okay? Now y'all will fight with each other, but as soon as one of my members find out another member is in need, it, it takes nothing for them to move and to act. Now they just want to know wisdom. How should we move and act? How should we help? I love my church for that. And I'm going to love it even more in this revival. Come on and bless the name of God. Standing all over the place. <laughs>